Hey everybody, it's Chris with the Boozy Bracketology Podcast. I wanted to use this time just to level set expectations for what to, what's going to be happening over the course of the next eh, probably year, maybe a little bit more. But as you all know, I am a big movies fan. I love movies in the 80s to me is some of the best cinema that's ever happened. So here on Boozy Bracketology, we are going to be dedicating a portion of our time to figuring out what the best 80s movie of all time is. Now, this is going to take a while. We've put together a 16 seed bracket and each of those 16 seeds is going to be taken up by a winner of another 16 seed bracket. All of that to say, we're covering a lot of ground. Now, we don't want this to dominate all we do here at Boozy Bracketology, so we're going to be dispersing this out over the course of the next probably 12 months or so to make sure we hit everything. But we've got other fun brackets in there as well, uh, some listener-created brackets that are going to be just, uh, honestly, y'all, a lot of fun. But what's going to happen over the next three weeks is this. These next three weeks are all play-in games to see which movies make the big 80s movie bracket. So, with that being said, enjoy the show. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and I will have, after the next three weeks are up, a special episode that'll go up probably midweek that'll actually break down the bracket. We'll sit down, we'll break it down, and then it'll be published over on our Facebook group and over on our Discord. Although on Discord, we're always talking about it. If you're not a member of our Facebook group, head over there. Uh, the Lounge, fans of Pub Trivia Experience and Boozy Bracketology, because the musical section of this bracket is currently set to 16 seeds. However, because musicals is sharing a 16 seed with a, a different category, we need to whittle those 16 seeds down to just eight. And to do that, we'll be posting them on our Facebook group for our listeners to vote on, and the top vote getter will move on to the main bracket. With all that being said, we hope you enjoyed this show. This is episode one of our play-in games. Now, here we go. And so it begins. Welcome to Boozy Bracketology. My name is Mike, and I am extremely excited to be hosting tonight because this is the first episode of what is going to be just an incredible journey through the wonderful world of 80s movies. That's right. We're starting it all off right here. We're doing our play-in games tonight for some of our brackets in our massive massive bracket to determine the greatest 80s movie of all time across all genres tonight we are going to be doing the best romance play-in games and the best horror play-in games these are two categories where let's be honest there were so darn many movies that we had to have some play-in games just to even whittle it down to a 16 movie bracket Fortunately for y'all, since tonight we're doing romance and horror, I am not making any of these decisions tonight. I've got a wonderful panel here who is much more knowledgeable about these subjects to make them for us. And we're going to be starting off in Fort Lauderdale, Florida with Brandon. How are you doing tonight and what are you drinking? 
What is going on, Mike? It's great to see you, buddy. You too, man. It's been a good like month and a half since we've done this, so I'm excited to be back on. Absolutely. I'm doing, I'm doing well. It's been a, a really, I was telling Chris earlier, it's been a rainy, miserable, like tropical storm feeling type day. Uh, about 35, 40 mile per hour wind gust all day Yeesh. and miserable. As a lifeguard full time, it's a miserable day. And that's our whole week. So I'm ready to drink and make some wonderful, wonderfully terrible decisions. <laughs> so I got Edmund Oats Brewing Company, Bucket of Flowers, to go with the romantic films to begin with. We'll get to the horror films in a little bit. But uh, a Belgian-style wheat ale brewed with orange peel and rosebuds. Ooh. So. Very nice. Can I go through? Right, let's try yeah. this out. That sounded great. I love Edmonds Oats. They're a really good brewery. So I've never had wow. that. Wow. That is incredibly, incredibly smooth. That nice. is really, really good. It tastes like you're tasting, you're drinking like a very good floral beer. That's Excellent. Nice. Excellent. Well, enjoy it, my friend. Mm -hmm. We're going to head a little further north for our next panelist. We've got a, uh, getting a little bit of a two for one deal here. We've got both Ligori's here with us tonight, folks, because God knows we don't want Chris to be handling the romance side. And we probably do not want Leah to be handling the horror side. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you because alphabetism, I guess the tyranny of the alphabet. I don't know. It was just the first name I had written down on my paper. How you doing tonight? What you drinking? I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and assume you said horror and not what I heard. So did I swallow that last little syllable there? A little bit, little bit. Going to get me I've in trouble here, Mike. Drinking. I've already been drinking the night, man. Cut me some slack. I'm going to cut you some slack. Cut it out. Quit it. We are moving right along. I got myself, Mike. I brought you one of these. It's in your fridge downstairs, I think. Uh, but this is from Big Store Brewing. It is a tangerine IPA called a Bromosa. Yes, oh. it is. I almost tapped that yesterday, actually. It was between that and the Three Daughters Orange IPA, and I went for Three Daughters. Not an IPA guy, but you put some citrus in there, and I'm 100% in. Yep. Oh, it's going to be a good night. That's really good. <laughs> yep. Oh, that is literally like drinking a very, not, not hoppy at all. It's almost like drinking orange juice. This is just not fair. Yeah, well, it's a bromosa, so it's probably... It's probably one of those. It's mostly beer with just a little bit of, uh, I guess, tangerine is what they it said. It is. So. It is a tangerine puree. Excellent. A big Storm doesn't disappoint. Their Wave Maker is a, a phenomenal beer if you're into, mm -hmm. like, brown uh, brown ales. So, hey, or amber ales. But, hey, knock yourselves out. Let's have a and, good night. And they're where? Largo? Is that right? I'm trying to remember. They've got a location in Largo. They just opened up another location up in Odessa, I believe, or Lando Lakes, one of those two. Gotcha. Big Storm? Yeah, somewhere yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah what? I went to the one in Largo several years back. That's what I thought. Okay. And Chris's much, much, much better half. Leah, how are you doing tonight? And what are you drinking? I am doing well. Um, as I was telling the panelists earlier today, um, I've been up for quite a long time today. Um, so I'm happy to be here. Um, but I did need a little boost. Um, and I have the palate of a 10-year-old. So I have gone to my go-to, what has been my go-to recently. And I'm enjoying a little bit of jungle juice. Um, and so you can do variations of, of the kind of jungle juice that I'm making. But I, uh, the one that I have tonight is a little bit of Hawaiian punch, the green flavor, whatever that is. 
uh, with a little bit of pineapple juice and a little bit of coconut rum. And that's what I've got going on tonight. And it is delightful. And I could have been drinking this all afternoon, but I, I was trying to save it for tonight when I really needed it. Shouldn't there be ginger ale in there? I don't like ginger ale. Okay. It usually has it in there. When I make it for Paige, I put ginger ale in it, but I substitute the ginger ale for the rum when I make it for mommy. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. It's, that's right. Uh, Leah, Leah, don't listen to him. Everyone's a critic. I mean, come on. Yeah. You do you, All boo. Right. <laughs> yep. Sticking in Florida, we've got another husband and wife team here with us tonight. A pair of folks that haven't been on the podcast in quite some time. We're happy to have them back. We've got Jason and Jen. How are you guys doing? And what are you drinking? I'll let you go first. No, I'll go first. I got it. How's it going, guys? No, thank you so much for having us back on here. It's a blast every time we do this. And yeah, it's been way too long. So we are we are super stoked to be back. Stoked. Stoked. Pumped. I'm showing my age a little bit, by the way. It's happening. Already. He's totally tubular, guys. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Are the kids no longer saying stoked? I, I have no idea. I, I don't know either, to be honest. Oh, they hear us say it. If, we, if we're saying it, trust me, the kids probably are not, not yeah, saying absolutely. it. Tonight I'm being lame, like I always am. If anybody remembers, I'm I'm drinking a nice cold Pepsi, um, laced with nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm lame. And I'm picking up the slack over here. I, I reached very low on the bottom shelf for an amaretto called Gozio. Uh I probably should have saved this for the horror section because this is a travesty of an amaretto. <laughs> this is no Tizarono. Uh So I'm in. A lot of pain and it's very scary over here and it's not just because of jen it's well, because of the he also mixed it with dr pepper so <laughs> you know that's the only saving grace at this point hey man you do what you got to do sometimes to power through and rounding out our panel tonight we're heading away from the state of florida and heading over to the lone star state in fort worth steven how are you doing and what are you drinking I'm doing great. It's finally the weather is broken. It's a warm day. I broke out the uh, broke out my uh, cornhole set. Got in my first game. Gonna crack open a refreshing Diet Mountain Dew. Sip it on the porch like a true Texan, and just watch the hazy sky melt away. Ah, thank God I'm not in Florida. I've enjoyed the humidity, guys. So. I thought the stars at night were big and bright there. Not in the city. Oh, that's fair. Light pollution is a wonderful thing. Um, all right. So as far as what I am drinking, I didn't mean for this to be themed towards the horror end of it, but uh, it turns out it sort of is because this is the Donner Party Porter. <laughs> <laughs> it's from... It's from uh, 5050 Brewing Company, which is out of Truckee, California, apparently. It said, Donner Party Porter is one tasty porter that will get you through the harshest winter. This is the last one I have left over from the harsh winter that we have emerged from. <laughs> this compact, complex pints flavor profile includes hints of oat cakes, molasses, smooth, rich, dark chocolate, mocha, and espresso. That, my friends, is what we call a robust, almost historical porter, and why we say your friends never tasted so good. Oh my God. What's a percentage? Literally, literally what this says. It is a 7.2% alcohol. Oh, I thought it was going to be higher. Maybe 
No, it's just, it's like a regular porter. It's not an imperial stout or anything like that. So this is, but this is a very good porter. It's, it's delicious. This is the last one of the four pack. And even though it was not super cold today, I'm trying to get through the last of my cold weather beers. <laughs> ah, that'll be good though. All right, folks, we're going to jump into this. Like I said, we've got our uh, romance, best romance movie play-in games and our best horror movie play-in games. And we're going to start with the romance play-in games. And our first play-in of the 80s romance movies, this is going to be interesting. I, I legitimately have no idea where some of these are going to go, and I'm curious to hear everybody's thoughts. And Brandon, we're going to start with you on this one. It's going to be Overboard versus Mannequin. Take it away. All right. So uh, I'm really not a big romantic film guy, but I have seen my fair share of romance movies. Uh, I don't mind a romance, a rom-com once in a while. These two movies, I don't really remember much about them. I have seen both. And Mannequin, I just really remember, and still I know to this day, it's a terrible film. And... I mean, has the whole, the, I mean, the, out of all the girls from Sex and the City, the one that gets around the most, Tim <laughs> Cattrall, uh, <clears throat> Andrew McCarthy, he had that great run in the 80s. Mannequin, it's not a good movie. It's kind of creepy. Overboard, it's funny. And you cannot not love this couple who in real life, they never got married. They didn't feel like they needed to be. Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, they've always loved each other. And I got to go with Overboard. Just that 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 togetherness right there, I got to go with Overboard. And Overboard picking up its first vote because there's nothing creepy about it. Leah, over to you. Well, both of these movies are very silly. Um, a little too silly for me to watch at this point in my life and really enjoy. Um, I was a big Andrew McCarthy fan when I was in uh, middle school. Is kind of when I went through my Brat Pack phase and watched all those movies. And I did really like him. But Mannequin is, to quote Brandon, kind of creepy. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm also going to go with Overboard because I do think that it does bring the laughs more. Um, the acting talent is better, um, and it can bring the charm as well as the cheese. So um, I'm going to go with Overboard because I think it means more to more people as a staple in the 80s rom-coms. Overboard picking up its second vote. Has Mannequin on the ropes already? We're going to hand this off to Jason next. Oh, wasn't expecting <laughs> that. That was quick. Um. Actually, I apologize. I couldn't hear the last one. So um, we were having some technical difficulties over here. But I did hear you say we picked up a second overboard. Um, but I'm going to have to disagree with uh, both of those panelists because I find overboard a movie that hasn't aged very well. This is a movie that is difficult to rewatch now, especially after like this whole Me Too movement, right? Like you got, you got a girl who's taken advantage of because of her amnesia. Uh, it was very cringeworthy. It was very cringeworthy for me. And I don't remember it being so cringe when I was younger, but I just, I, two great actors, but the movie was just icky. It, it was like an icky feeling for me. 
Now, both of these movies aren't really good. Mannequin's so, so cheesy, right? Like, I, we're not going to say here that this is going to win any awards, right? But I would think I would I would vote for Mannequin over Overboard in this situation just because of that ickiness. And Jason stands up and says on behalf of Mannequin, nothing's going to stop us now. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the only thing I remember about Mannequin. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but Mannequin is not going down yet. It picks up a vote. Jen, do you agree? So, yes and no. So, I do love Overboard in the fact that it does start, like, the whole Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell just love story, right? And they're still together. They're, you know, weird but awesome. Um, but... I do like the very first time I even watched it, I was like, damn, if I was in her place and I had no memory and dude took me in and was like, oh, yeah, no, you're my wife. Go do all this shit. And then I found out that wasn't the case. Oh, no, 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 no. There would be no love story. There'd be a huge swift kick in the ass kind yeah, of story. Turn into a horror. Um, but mannequin, as cheesy as it is, like, I think it's saving grace. Cause, I mean, Andrew McCarthy is pretty much in like every freaking mm-hmm. 80s movie, right? Every teen rom-com from the 80s but it has james spader and and he kind of sorry babe but he he owns my heart a little bit like my whole heart so don't look at me like that christopher wow (laughs) i know where you live i love james spader and i don't care what anybody says all right just write Uh, that down the blacklist he's correct he is (laughs) he's being blacklisted (laughs) yeah he's being blacklisted blacklist Love that show. But yeah, no, for this one, I'm actually going to have to go for Mannequin because Overboard, like that, when I first watched it, I was just like, yeah, let somebody try that with me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And Mannequin picking up a second vote, pulling even with Overboard. And that means already in the first vote of the night, we have a tie going into our final panelist, which means we do have an opportunity for a buzzer beater. This is a play-in round. Uh, they're going to reset in the next episode, so if anybody wants to use one, now's the time. Does anybody feel that strongly about this matchup? Chris raises his hand, but Chris is not a <laughs> panelist for this half of the bracket. <laughs> All right, Stephen, take us away. Well, I'm half tempted to just vote however Chris wants me to. I really wanted him to wipe it up way in just so I could or I could just vote the opposite way so here's here's what we're gonna do since you're not allowed to talk right now Chris just to, if it if it's if it's mannequin just put a thumbs up there on the webcam just you know give me a little indication okay so <laughs> the thumb is up the middle finger was extended but the thumb was up so I'm gonna guess he's a mannequin <laughs> um, this so, is all really going over well in an audio medium it, it does, but well, just for the viewer at home, let me paint a picture. Uh, Chris just confessed to being sexually turned on to plastic objects. That's what has happened there. So we can put that on the record. Um, not the first time in the show's history. Not the first time in the show history. No kink shame. No kink shame. Um, you know, he's, he's living his own life. He's person to live his best life. No, nothing wrong with that. Uh, let me get to my actual vote here. Um, neither one of these movies are very good, but... Mannequin at least has a moral that the woman that you're actually wanting for is an actual woman and not an object. She becomes attractive when she stops being an object and becomes a real woman. So at least there's something to take away from that. So I'd feel more comfortable showing that to a kid than I would overboard at this point. So Mannequin's going to get my vote. 
And after taking a substantial lead, Overboard does end up losing to Mannequin. Mannequin takes the win, and man, if I'd known that was going to happen, I would have staved my Starship reference uh, until the end of the matchup, but Mannequin will be moving on. Uh, so I wasn't lying. Nothing's going to stop it now. Not until the next round. In any case, we're moving on to the second matchup of the night of the romance movies play-in games. This one is going to be the matchup of Some Kind of Wonderful versus St. Elmo's Fire. And we're going to be starting this one off with Leah. All right. So I always think that I'm going to like Some Kind of Wonderful more than I actually do. I've only seen the movie twice, and both times I remember leaving feeling disappointed after the movie was over. Um, I appreciate the story that it's trying to tell, but I don't think it really hits. But you know what does hit? A story about a group of Georgetown graduates who are growing up and growing apart. Rob Lowe and Demi Moore bring a darker level to the traditional Brat Pack film. Is it a perfect film? No, it's kind of a mess. But St. Elmo's Fire is a mess I will continue to watch a thousand times over some kind of wonderful. I love St. Elmo's Fire so much, and so it's going to get my vote. St. Elmo's Fire starts off to an early lead as it picks up a vote from Leah. Jason, you're up. All right, this this one's easy for me. Um, so St. Elmo's Fire has a fantastic cast. Emilio Estevez, Rob Lowe, Demi Moore. But it has one thing missing. Leah Thompson. Hmm. So my vote always goes to Leah Thompson. I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry. You act like I care. <laughs> it's payback for the last one. <laughs> now, so my vote goes to some kind of wonderful just for <laughs> Leah Thompson. I gotcha. And... Jason's declaring that his vote always goes for Leah Thompson, casting a vote for some kind of wonderful, and I believe by proxy also Howard the Duck. Oh, oh, that's, that's a total classic. Don't get us started. <laughs> there are mannequins in this house. Don't get us started. Well, Jen, I'm totally getting you started because you're next. Whoop, whoop. Um, okay, so <laughs> some kind of wonderful. It's very much a that typical trope of the, you know, the outcast wants to get the popular one. And, you know, it, it just flipped like pretty in pink. It's the outcast girl wanting the, the popular guy. This one's the outcast guy wanting the popular girl, right? It's very, very typical. It's very, very overdone. Um, St. Elmo's fire. While, I mean, it's not, I don't think either of these movies are like, you know, critically acclaimed, brilliant, Emmy nominees or anything by any means um, at least has Andrew McCarthy and like I said he's in like every single 80s romance movie right it's like he's always there so my my vote's gonna go for uh, Andrew McCarthy now babe oh I'll allow it I'll allow it bitch <laughs> all right and a little bit of a divided house there as St. Almost <laughs> Fire picks up a second vote we're gonna head out to Steven next um, it's a tough one uh, initially because these movies are about equal in quality in terms of like acting and plotting and whether or not they're interesting. Uh, but there is one ultimately decisive factor in that I can watch one of these uh, and just go about my life. Where if I watch the other one for the next six days, I walk around like an idiot going, 
I believe in a random motion. Do, 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 do. And because it makes me seem like such an idiot, and I will never know the actual lyrics to that song, other than Man in Motion and Say Now Most Fire, I'm going to vote against it because I hate that little earworm. Uh, so I'm going to work. And just because of the soundtrack, which incidentally is the one thing I know about St. Almost Fire, other than that is a Brat Pack movie, some kind of wonderful pulls even. Um, And before, uh, once again, we have a tie game. So before we hand it off to our man in motion, Brandon here, uh, we do have another opportunity for a buzzer beater, Uh, possibly somebody who's husband's groomsman walked down the aisle to man in motion wants to weigh in yeah i loved it we had it in our wedding we had man in motion i don't need it as that was wedding. for chris's benefit but brandon brandon is waving you off he's saying he's saying he's he's got this everybody so uh there you go buddy take it away so i'm really happy that i'm the final one for this one and it could be yeah i'm deciding it my fiance and i we did rewatch both these films the other night and uh so steve and i agree both films they're subpar um saint almost fire it has the cast sometimes i really feel when you get a big cast like that it just doesn't really always gel that well you do see it happen sometimes it works great most of the time like mars attacks that's a terrible film with 30, 40 great people. Mars Attacks is not the greatest film ever. It really is not. Um, St. Animal's Fire. The characters, they're terrible people. They're terrible friends to each other. Yeah, they're going through a lot of things. Um, now, acting-wise, I think the one who probably was the best actor actress in the whole film, she was annoying but she hit the spots very well was Demi Moore. I think Demi Moore did a really good job in the film. I still think, and then if we also want to talk about something else, the best sax performance in a film ever is from the Lost Boys. It's not from St. Elmo's Fire, Rob Lowe playing the sax. Lost Boys has the best sax performance in a film ever. Um, So now to get to some kind of wonderful... Not a great film, but what I like in films is when you have like a secondary character or a third, fourth character, they're not a main character. They really take the film and make it enjoyable. And the whole deten- the whole detention class and some kind of wonderful pulled me in. I was hooked. I'm like, he's going to make friends with these guys and they're going to kick the shit out of that asshole boyfriend. I just, I knew it. And that is why I'm voting for some kind of wonderful. I will say something, Jason, I'm sorry. Leah Thompson, I think Kristen Stewart's acting coach had her watch a lot of Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson does a lot of weird face cringes. Not a bad actress. She's cute. But she does these weird face movements that Kristen Stewart does. Bro, we're about to step outside and fight. Yeah, really. Uh, Back to the future, she does it too. She does it too a little bit. But I'm going with some kind of wonderful. I'm going with some kind of wonderful. And some kind of wonderful picks up its third vote. 
and St. Omo's Fire may be able to see a new horizon underneath the blazing sky, but it will not be moving on into the next round. And with any luck, that lyric got that song stuck in Steven's head for the next six days. In any case, we are moving on. And these next couple matchups, I'm going to tell you right now, are a couple of doozies, in my opinion. Uh, this, this one is going to be... Uh, I think somebody actually just mentioned it. Uh, this is Pretty in Pink mm-hmm. versus Cocktail. Two classic 80s movies. And we are going to be starting this one off with Jason. We're going to be starting this off with a house fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were looking at this. These are two good movies, okay? Uh, there's a lot that could be said for these two. I'm actually surprised that these two are going head to head like this. It's almost not fair because I think both should should be on. But um, we're, we're here laughing because one has my man, Tom Cruise, and the other has Jen's man, Andrew McCarthy, again. So just to keep the house divided, I'm going to stick with Cocktail and Tom Cruise. And I'm going to say Pretty in Pink is so overrated. It, it doesn't even deserve to be here right now. It should I don't know who put and Pretty in Pink picking up its first vote as Jason utters potentially a couple of fighting words. Jen? I, I forgot that I muted it. Wait, did you mute it? No, I didn't mute it. <laughs> a bit. Um, no, Jason really, really loves Tom Cruise, right? He always has. He's a big Top Gun fan. You know, I, I give him that, right? But Pretty in Pink, again, we were just talking about, you know, that's, you know, the trope of the 80s is the the unpopular one wants the popular one blah 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 but it's molly ringwald right i mean i this is a movie that you know because i'm i'm a seamstress so like the whole prom thing where she has to make her own dress from the you know all that kind of stuff I, like that gels with me um and it's just a classic to me like cocktail i've watched a few times i re- <laughs> i really don't like tom cruise He's got Napoleon complex. Everybody has the wrong opinion. But um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go for Pretty in Pink because it's it's just it's a classic, an absolute classic. Pretty in Pink pulling even with Cocktail. I think uh, that that hand was tipped toward the beginning of that uh, duo of votes. There, we're gonna pass it off to Stephen to break the tie. Unbelievable man in motion. Oh, right, my turn. (laughs) Um, Fuck. yeah, I, Sorry, Steven. I feel like like if I was completely objective, like put on my critic hat and watch both these films, I think Cocktail is probably the better put together film, slightly better acted. Um but Pretty in Pink just has a bigger place in my heart. And like it is more quintessentially eighties. Not that Cocktail isn't, but when you think eighties films Pretty and Pink's one of the ones that floats to the top. It deserves to at least move on to the main bracket. So Pretty and Pink's got to get my vote here. Pretty and Pink getting a vote as one of the quintessential 80s movies. Brandon, do you agree? Uh, this is a tough matchup. And uh, so Jason and Jen, I agree and I disagree. Tom Cruise, I, deep down, I think we all agree. As a human, he probably is a prick. 
Like Scientology, bro, you'd be so much better. Just get rid of Scientology. You made they made you hate your ex-wife, and then your your children hated your ex-wife, and it's terrible. Just get away from it, Tom. It'll be a lot better for your life. Um, he's a great actor. I give him props everything he's done. I really like Cocktail. I really do. It's always how Steven said Pretty and Pink is close to his heart. Cocktail, I've always enjoyed. I think it's pretty ballsy to go on top of a bar and do beat poet. Pretty much just go toe-to-toe with this guy who thinks he's a beat poet. And there's so many cool scenes in that film. And the story, it's just damn. It's a good story. And Doug, Brian Brown. We're not talking about Tom Cruise. Brian Brown is who steals that film, playing his best friend. Um, honestly, for me, Pretty Pick is a classic. It was nowhere close. Cocktail for me definitely got this. Well, and tonight we have not been uh, short of drama because this is our third tie in a row going into the final vote as Brandon casts a vote for Cocktail, bringing it to two to two. And yet again, we have another opportunity if anybody wants to launch a buzzer beater to try and sway Leah's opinion one way or another. Other than Chris. (laughs) I have opinions. (laughs) You'll get your chance, sir. You'll get your chance. Uh, All right. Without further ado, Leah, take it away. Okay. The only thing that Cocktail really gave us was Kokomo, which is a Beach Boy bop, but it doesn't slap as much as their other hits. See, I can be cool with the lingo like the young kids are. Um, So, yeah. So, I really, that song is the only thing that really attracts me to Cocktail. Um, Pretty in Pink is not my favorite 80s rom-com, but it gets referenced so much in pop culture with... Oh, should she have picked Ducky or should she have stayed with Blaine at the end? And that alternate ending that people always talk about. So, yeah, I think that Pretty in Pink has a longer staying power and more um, of a place in pop culture for the 80s than Cocktail does. So Pretty in Pink gets my vote. And Pretty in Pink is going to secure the victory and move on into the next round, proving once and for all, if we're discussing soundtracks, that the Psychedelic Furs are a better band than the Beach Boys. Certainly the Mike Love-led Beach Boys. Uh, That's inarguable. Anyway, moving on. Um, Also, I meant to say this before. uh, Brandon's views on the uh, Church of Scientology do not reflect the views of the Boozy Bractology (laughs) podcast. In any case, we're moving on. Hashtag please don't sue us. I'm sorry for all those out (laughs) there. You're good. You're good. (laughs) The next next matchup. This one... uh, this one is going to be really interesting because these, to me, these are two movies that we all, I don't want to say we all, cause I'm probably older than most of you all, but a lot of fairly young children watched in the late eighties, early nineties that had some rather adult themes that were probably over their heads. Uh, but we don't even think about those anymore. We just think about the dance sequences at the end. Is it going to be dirty dancing or is it going to be flash dance? We're starting this one off with Jen. You really shouldn't be. <laughs> okay, we'll start um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so I I actually enjoy both of these movies. Um, 
I will say that I've watched Dirty Dancing a whole lot more than I've watched Flashdance, but they both have those iconic dance scenes, right? Like, you hear the name of the movie and boom, that's what's in your head, right? No, Nobody puts Baby in the Corner and then, like, the, the whole chair thing with the what? Like, I mean, it's it's there. But if I'm going to reach for a movie to watch at any given time, it's it's going to end up being Dirty Dancing. And it's not... It's not because one movie is better than the other. I think that the theme, and I mean, yeah, I'm an early 80s baby, and I probably should not have understand understood a lot of the themes that were in this movie, but I did because I was surrounded by a lot of it. Um, so it kind of like reminded me of like, like I'm talking about like Penny and like, you know, the, the, the back dancers and all the stuff that was going on there that kind of spoke to me in a way that Flashdance really didn't. Flashdance is kind of like, you know, somebody reaching for their goals and, and, you know, having this epic dream of, of being a dancer and all this kind of stuff, which is awesome. But I think to me anyway, uh, dirty dancing has always, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's, it's kind of given me more spiritually and like, I can, I can watch it over and over and over again. And, and it's still kind of, and it's not even the love story. It's none of that. It's like everything that's going on behind the scenes that the more you watch, the more you kind of like grab these little things out of the background. You're like, holy crap, I didn't, I didn't even see that before kind of thing. So um, to me, sorry, I'm, I'm blabbering, but uh, to me, it's, it's going to definitely be going to, to Dirty Dancing. All good. Dirty Dancing picks up a first vote. Steven, what say you? Yeah, so I guess this really is probably going to come down to how much you enjoy watching dancing because both of these films, uh, like it was just said, they're built up to that big final dance. And if you just compare the dancing, Flash Dance is clearly the better dance. I mean, Dirty Dancing's got the big lift, but it's really not that impressive a dance, honestly. Um, that being said, you have to get through two hours to get to that dance on either side. And that story pulling up to it is so much better on the Dirty Dancing side. Um, I just I think Flashdance is a monotonous wait for one really good dance at the end. I don't think it's that good a film up until then. So Dirty Dancing, any day of the week would be my rewatch. Gets my vote. And Dirty Dancing picks up a second vote. It's on the ropes, but this has happened already tonight, and things have swung back the other way. Let's see what Brandon has to say. Hey, that rhymed. Um... So I'm I'm not I'm not I never have been a fan of Dirty Dancing, Flashdance I've seen it I don't mind it, um, Dirty Dancing, it is the better film. But question: Do we ever find out how old is Patrick Swayze's character <laughs> in the film? Forty-seven. Like yeah, he's like twenty-five. She's we do find out she's like fifteen. It's set in the '60s, so yeah, yeah, '56, yeah. Um, now Jason brought up Tom Cruise; he loves him. My kids, Alex and I, we have our kids. She'll show them Dirty Dancing. I'm a big Patrick Swayze was a bad motherfucker. That guy was a great actor. I'm gonna show them Point Break. They're gonna learn everything <laughs> and other Patrick Swayze films. He was a ballet dancer, very talented guy. Jerry Arbach was great in that film. Great as a dad. The thing that kills me about that 
And Jason, I'm giving your girl Leah Thompson kudos above her. I've never been a Jennifer Grey fan. She just seems like a bitch. <laughs> she just, and Ferris Bueller, just she has that like very mean girl, very mean girl sense to her kind of. Um, and Flashdance, I love cheering for the hero. And you guys already know I like my Cinderella's. So it's already down 2-0. Let's give Flashdance a vote. Patrick Swayze, we miss you a lot. And my kids are going to watch your films. And Brandon shows that he is crazy for Swayze as he... Never mind. Why did I say that? You're crazy for Swayze, but you're still voting for Flashdance. Yes, I am. <laughs> so he, maybe he's a maniac maniac. We'll find out. That's one of the two things I know about Flashdance. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the references where I can, man. There's a reason I'm hosting here. Leah, it's up to you next. Okay, so I'm actually really apathetic about this choice um, because I don't really like these movies. I don't... I've never been drawn to, to stories about the dance field or whatever. Um, but they both do have good music. I guess they have good dance numbers. I mean, they, they I can't do any of that stuff. So I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, it takes a lot of talent to be able to do those kind of dances. I'm just going to go with Dirty Dancing because it is the more iconic 80s film. I feel like it means more to people than Flashdance does. Like if you ask most of the girls that I grew up with who grew up on Dirty Dancing or just grew up in the 80s um, and early 90s, they would probably say Pretty Woman, Dirty Dancing. Like, those are their two big, like, rom-coms. I guess there's not really a comedy in this, but big romance films. Um, but I also agree that Jennifer Grey is, she just has, I think I would like the movie more if she was not baby. Um, but, so I'm not voting for the romance in Dirty Dancing because I'm just not into it. But I do think it is the better film, and it's the more iconic film, so I think it should move on. And Dirty Dancing picks up its third vote, and we'll be moving on into the main round. What a feeling. It's the feeling of going home, Flashdance. I'm sorry, but we're going to find out what Jason thinks. Did we get this one right? Yeah, I was over here. I was thinking about this while you guys were speaking, and I, I agree with everything that all of you had said. Um, I, I like the the crazy for Swayze. I mean, he he was fantastic. He's super talented. Uh, he was super talented. Um, so uh, rest in peace up there, Swayze. Uh, my vote would go to Dirty Dancing as well. All right, and Dirty Dancing picks up its fourth vote, and that's what I call having the time of your life right there. <laughs> driving Chris. I, I wish everybody could hear could see Chris's reaction every time I pull another one of these at this. I'm really trying to figure out who's the bigger bitch, you that's or Jennifer fair, Gray. I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty good, but she's like the wind. I yeah. I literally know the soundtracks. I uh, and the last ten minutes of Dirty Dancing, which incidentally, for some reason, I've seen the last ten minutes of Dirty Dancing about two hundred times, and I'm not sure I've ever seen the movie. Anyway. That's neither here nor there. That's a true I know statement. nobody puts baby in a corner alone. and, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> anyway, Dirty Dancing will be moving on into the main round, and we will moving, be moving on to the final 
matchup of the night in our 80s romance movie play-in games before we completely turn around and do the opposite. But this last matchup of 80s romances is going to be between two, two more movies that I know exclusively because of their songs, Against All Odds versus Footloose. And we're starting this one off with Steven. Hmm. I mean, like, let, let's be honest. Uh, like, once again, objectively, Against All Odds is a better movie, but it's not a movie I enjoy as much. Um, Footloose is a very, very, uh, the word is stupid. Um, it's one <laughs> of those that it, it, it makes no real sense that this one guy can outlaw dancing in a town. Like, how does that happen? Um, there's that weird scene where, like, he's dancing based off his car radio, but he's, like, on the other side of the factory, so in reality, like, he's just making grunting sound and squeaking sneaker noises. Um, if you <laughs> just take the audio out, that's what's really going on, but god damn if you don't like to watch Footloose. If you don't want to watch Footloose, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. It's just a fun, stupid, stupid movie. Uh, with, with talent, it does not deserve to have cast. Footloose all the way. <laughs> Steven casting a vote for Footloose. Uh, apparently hasn't been paying attention to the flexing of executive power in this country over the last, I don't know, 30 years. But and, anyway, that's a completely different topic. What had is one vote for Footloose. We're going to start back at the top with Brandon. So uh, the only movie on this list I never really saw was Against All Odds. So I looked it up, and uh, I'm like, yeah, this is a weird, weird-sounding movie. I'm not going to put myself through this. Um, but I'll tell you right now, everything on this list that we just talked about, for me, Footloose wiped the floor with everything we talked about tonight. That movie... Okay, it's a little silly at times, but it's a real hero story. The soundtrack, Bonnie Tyler, come on. The, the matter. So when a movie is great, when you have five or six scenes in a film and you can point those scenes out, he teaches his buddy how to dance. He does the crazy dance in the warehouse, uh, the, the bar scene, and then the tractor scene, and then the let's dance. Footloose is awesome. Awesome. It's great. Kevin Bacon is though Patrick Swayze, but Kevin Bacon can break down some moves as well. Uh, it's Footloose. Come on. Come on, indeed. Footloose picks up its second vote. We're going to hand this one off to Leah. Well, against all odds, um, to me is the better song if I'm comparing it to that or Footloose, just because I really, I feel like Footloose, the song is overplayed. Um, and against all odds, I just love it. I've always loved it. It's one of my favorite songs that came out the year I was born. So I can always, I always feel a little attachment to it when I hear it. Um, but I just love Kevin Bacon. I just ever, well, for the past three months since I saw the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, I'm just like in love with everything Kevin Bacon does. And I just watch his little videos that he posts on Instagram on Mondays where he talks about his favorite music and he even plays some sometimes or he does his little TikTok videos with his wife and his daughter. They're just so cute. So um, current Leah is definitely going to vote for um, Footloose for this um, for this round, even though 
it may not be the best movie to me as other people think it is. Um, right now, I'm just I I'm all in on Kevin Bacon, so I'm going with that. And after uh, several fairly close matchups, we have a little bit of a runaway on our hands. Footloose picks up its third vote and has secured its spot in the main round. But I need to hear from Jason and Jen to find out what they think. Do we get this one right? Jason, you first. Actually, first of all, you skipped us because J comes before L and this was supposed to be alphabetical. (laughs) That's true. But I put so, I put Chris and, and Leah in that place, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing it, Jason. All right, she she's embarrassed, but I I just wanted to say, foot loose, foot loose. No, kick off your Sunday shoes. God damn it! Yeah, yeah let's hear it for the boy. Right? I didn't hear any backup vocals there. Oh, so I, for- I forgot stop. about that song too. Yeah, that song as well. I forgot about that. Uh, Brandon, I totally enjoy your enthusiasm when it comes to Footloose. You couldn't even get a straight sentence out for a minute there. <laughs> I just, I, like, I don't had to get into it. Don't... Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you because I agree. I, I'm all for Footloose. This oh, yeah. was, this is a movie. This isn't my forte, like this, this genre. Uh, but there's something special about Footloose. I mean, fighting the power of the government with the dance. I mean, uh, it's amazing. I love it. So he's saying, yes, he would pick Footloose. Yeah. And I'm saying it's Kevin Bacon. So hell yes, I would pick Footloose. Honestly, oh. I, I've seen, I've seen. I changed my mind. <laughs> I've seen Against All Odds. It's not very memorable for me because it just doesn't have the kind of pizzazz that Footloose has. You know, so, yeah. yeah I agree. No, it yeah, I mean, it's a straight shot that Footloose, yeah. yeah no, Footloose is yeah. my landslide. Stop talking about it. God damn it. Nope, it's my turn. He, he hit the nail on the head. We're, we're not doing Jason, out. yeah, you definitely, uh, that's 100% right. It is Footloose by a landslide against all odds. <sighs> Take a look at you now. There's just an empty space. Oh, my God. And that space <laughs> is where you once were because you just got swept right out of the play-in round. And Footloose is heading on to the mains. I hate my life. And we are heading on <laughs> to uh, – man, Chris, can you, like, edit in a, a clip of John Cleese going, and now for something completely different? All right. We finished up with romance, and now we're heading over to horror. (laughs) Oh, and our first matchup of the night is going to be a matchup of the nights. Eh? Eh? No? Yeah. Yeah, I know you're right. That was was terrible. I I apologize. But the the movies that are going to be facing off in this first matchup of our horror movie play-in games is Fright Night versus Prom Night. And we are back at the top with Brandon. Take us away. All right. Um, both both films are... I, I, I've enjoyed both films. Um, I'll be honest, the Fright Night, I like the remade version with um, Colin Farrell. And one of the most underrated actors of all time, Anton Yelchin. It's a shame we lost him. And he was great, amazing actor. That Fright Night, I enjoy more than this Fright Night we're speaking of. But this Fright Night, it was a great movie. Prom Night, not a bad film. Cheesy horror film, not too bad. I do love myself some Jamie Lee Curtis. 
I Academy do. Award winner Jamie Lee Curtis. I, I can't believe it took her that long to be nominated and she won. Academy mm-hmm. Award winning. Um, I think, honestly, what is more familiar and popular and deserves to keep on going is probably Fright Night. I have to go Fright Night. And Fright Night picks up its first vote. Chris, it's over to you. I know you've been dying to speak the whole night, and it is finally your turn to shine. It is. So li- listen, when I put this bracket together, the, you start by putting together like the movies that you know are going to be on there. And these were two that I'm like, oh, these, two, these are iconic 80s horror movies. You don't make 80s horror without Fright Night and Prom Night. Come to find out that looking at the Rotten Tomato rankings, they were relegated to not even on the bracket, having to make the bracket as a play-in game, which is a huge disservice because when you think about 80s 80s horror movies, the point isn't to make a good movie. It's to make a memorable movie. It's to make a fun <laughs> movie. And these two movies, I think, accomplish it in spades. These are, I, think, I actually think these are two fun films to watch. They're drastically different films, but they're genuinely fun films to watch. So with that being said, where I am at is this. One of them, to me, is more unique and more memorable. And as much as I love Prom Night, Fright Night is just a different breed of film. It's, it's a different take. It's, it's a unique spin on the neighbor relationship. I love it. I genuinely love it. I even love the remake with Anton Yelchin and Colin Farrell. They're fun movies. They're well made. They're well put together. I'm going Fright Night here. Fright Night picking up its second vote. Prom Night is on the ropes. Jason, you're next. What you think? This was a good one. Yeah, like, Chris, I agree with you. This was, um, I think, closer than I originally thought. I was thinking about it, and I was going back and forth. And at first, Fright Night had a special place in my heart. I, I remember as a kid going to Blockbuster, and... We would always get a horror movie on like a Friday night, right? We'd have the sleepovers with your friends or whatever. And we were all too scared to take Fright Night because of the cover. I don't know what it was about the cover of that movie at the time. I mean, looking back, it's silly, right? But for some reason, that cover is just iconic. It's burned in my memory. And the movie... It, like like Chris, like you said, it's different, right? Like it, once I saw it, I was like, wow. Like First of all, why was I so scared to get this? I mean, it's kind of silly, but... It, it was a really good film and it was different. It was different than anything else. I think at the time um, prom night, although it, I mean, it was a, a great slasher film and had some fantastic actors in it. Uh, I, I had actually forgotten Leslie Nielsen was in that, believe it or not. I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. It was Leslie Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, yeah. Fright night's got a place in my heart. So I'm going to vote for that one. Fright night picking up its third vote and has secured its place in the main round. But I still need to hear from Jen to find out what she thinks. Do we get this one right, or are you on the prom night train? So, Fright Night, like, okay. I do love both these movies. I prefer the remake of Fright Night. I'm I'm with everybody else. Um, And I love my horror movies, right? But... (laughs) <laughs> it's funny Jason's saying that he forgot that Leslie Nielsen was in it and for me that was just like you know like the coolest easter egg 
because <laughs> yeah. he's he's the funny man, right? I mean, it's Leslie Nielsen, but it's also Jamie Lee Curtis, who is like the queen of horror, right? So for me, I think because of the cast, Prom Night was actually more memorable for me. And I mean, it's the, the usual trope, but yeah, for me, I, I'm actually going to have to go against everybody and say Prom Night on this because it just it, it's more memorable to me than Fright Night, the original Fright Night is. Now, I would have gone, if this was up against the remake, I probably would have gone with the remake. But in this case, I'm going to go Prom. All right. And Prom Night is going to pick up a vote. It's not going to be completely shut out here. Maybe it'll even cover the spread. Steven, what do you think? Yeah, I wish I could do it just to be contrarian. But the truth is, Prom Night is... It's got a major drag in its first act. It's not a bad movie overall, but it's just not as overall entertaining as Fright Night. Fright Night's good from beginning to end. It definitely deserves the vote. And Fright Night picks up a fourth vote, shutting Prom Night out even more than it already was. It's going to be heading into the main round. I don't I don't even know what it's going to be playing at. I haven't even looked that far ahead. I'm just so excited. I'm so in the moment here. As we head on to our next matchup, it's going to be um, a movie that I that I before this thing said I didn't even realize this was a movie. I thought it was an indie rock band uh, versus the only movie on this entire horror playlist list that I've actually seen. It's going to be My Bloody Valentine versus The Watcher in the Woods. And Chris, you get to start this one off. Take it away. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Uh. I don't have an affinity for a watcher in the woods. I, I recognize that it's it had a really quick turnaround time from the time the book came out to the time the movie came out. I didn't grow up with it. So I just don't have this, this deep affinity. I have a vivid memory of the first time I watched my bloody Valentine. I was old enough to drink. So I was 21 years old. I was in Tallahassee, Florida and my friend Brito who's been on the show before uh, Jess invites me over and we used to just kind of go over to her house and literally just her apartment. We'd watch horror movies for hours on end. And my bloody Valentine was one that just kind of left me floored because as engrossed as I was in that movie and as much as I should have seen that ending coming, I didn't see the ending coming y'all. I didn't see it coming anywhere. Um, add in the whole, the, the aesthetic of the, the, the coal miner with the pickaxe it's very unique the 3d aspect is hokey but yeah. i love it I, I genuinely love that movie hell i'll go one step further i really enjoyed the remake with jensen ackles the from 09 i thought that was a lot of fun too i'm going my bloody valentine and chris's bloody valentine picks up a first vote jason you're next yeah, that was good. I did, both of these movies aren't my favorite. Um, they did have some cool scenes, the, my bloody Val Valentine, I mean. But um, I, I think overall, The Watcher in the Woods was kind of a unique twist, right? I think it was like the, that was the one with the two the two sisters, right? One could see, and the other one could hear, right? Yeah. And it was it was interesting. It was different. Um, I don't know from remembering. My Bloody Valentine, I, it was just a, a typical slasher film, in my opinion. Um, it did have some cool scenes in it. I mean, it, the special effects were pretty cool. 
Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I remember the twist in The Watcher in the Woods. I thought it was a very interesting take on it, especially for its time. Um, I think, what, what year was that? I think that was, that was early 80s, 80? 1980. It, it was 80. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, think it was, I think it was ahead of its time, to be honest, in storytelling. So it, it wasn't the best film in the world. It's not going to, it's not that memorable, but uh, that, that stuck out to me. So my vote goes to Watcher in the Woods. Watcher in the Woods pulls even with My Bloody Valentine. Jen, your turn to break the tie. I don't know why you guys put this on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so these are two very different stories, right? One of them is more um, not fairy tale, folk tale. You know, you got mm-hmm. Watcher in the Woods. It's, it's, it's very much a folk tale. Um, Valentine's Day... <sighs> Sorry, I was just I was just doing some research on it, and it's like, well, they're kind of both on folktales, but with the the My Bloody Valentine, it's more, you know, all this stuff happened in the past, and then they're like, oh, you know, screw this, we're gonna we're gonna do it anyways, and then everybody starts getting murdered, blah 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 blah, right? <laughs> you you can tell it's been a while since I've seen either of these movies, to be completely honest. Like I, I went and I looked up synopsises, and I was like, oh yeah, that's what it is. Um, so neither of them are necessarily brilliant in my opinion although you know i'm you guys know i'm, I'm constantly wrong i said that <laughs> I've here been saying that for years. i said it here first <laughs> um and it doesn't leave no um i mean i think my bloody valentine actually has a really i think the story in my bloody valentine is a little more i don't even want to say fleshed out but it's more interesting to me than Watcher in the Woods. I like the remake of Watcher in the Woods. I think it was like what 2007 or something like that was the remake. Hmm. Something like that. I like the remake better. Um, but I think with this one, I'm actually going to go with My Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine picking up a second vote. And we are heading over to Steven. So I think, and I could be wrong about this, uh, but I think that the first sort of horror film that I ever saw was The Watcher in the Woods. And it scared the ever-loving shit out of my, you know, six, seven-year-old heart. Uh, It is still today a very good example of, like, that atmospheric horror where there's not a lot happening, but because there is this spooky presence throughout it, uh, it maintains tense, and, and it's pretty wonderful. Um, now, it does have some issues. The effects don't hold up because, you know, it was 1980. Um, and the twist at the end, uh, well, you don't see it coming, but that's because it's also not set up in any way that that's what's going on. Uh, you literally could have twisted it into anything, and it would have made it just as much sense. Uh, my Bloody Valentine... Um, it's not my favorite film, but if I was trying to introduce someone to a horror film for their very first time, I think that they're going to have a better time watching My Bloody Valentine. I think that's actually the more enjoyable film here. I think I think Watcher in the Woods is one that I appreciate more, but I definitely enjoy My Bloody Valentine more, so I'm going to give my vote to that. My Bloody Valentine picking up its third vote and will be heading on into the main round. 
Brandon, I've been trying to read your face and I'm not entirely sure which way you're going to go on this, but I'm going to hand it off to you to find out. No, it didn't matter where I was. I, I had a firm feeling. I just wanted to think about like really what I want to get at. Um, there was actually the watcher in the woods made me think about a movie. And I'm like from the early eighties. I'm like, hold on. I'm pretty sure it's from the eighties. I'm like, is it on the horror bracket bracket? I was just trying to remember and I'm not sure. We'll get to that later on. The watcher in the woods. It's a good ghost story. Folk film. Angelica Houston. Um, she was in it. Good part. But my bloody Valentine, that, 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 that villain, that coal miner with the pickaxe. If we eventually ever do that greatest horror villain, that's one of those that needs to be on that. Like that guy with the pickaxe going around killing people and has one of the greatest horror film kills probably ever when he puts that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good eighties horror film. I'll be honest. If this was my bloody Valentine versus like Friday the 13th, I would probably go with my bloody Valentine. I think Oof. that's me. Um, I think the story goes a little bit better. It's, so I'm going my bloody Valentine for sure. Sweet. All right. And Brandon casting a fourth vote for my bloody Valentine and possibly tipping his hand into the next, uh, the main round matchup. We're not sure exactly what it's going to be going up against. Actually, we might be. I just haven't looked that far ahead oh, yet. That would be ironic if it is. <laughs> it would very much be ironic. But we're gonna we'll find out in a uh, future episode. But right now, my bloody Valentine is moving on into the main round uh brief uh side note i wanted to agree with steven uh, watcher in the woods is definitely one of the first horror movies that i recall seeing and somehow as a kid i made it through things like return to oz uh and the yeah, um labyrinth without having these you know crazy nightmares but two movie two movies that i saw in the late 80s early 90s definitely gave me nightmares for a while and the watcher in the woods was one of them the other one was Ernest scared stupid um yeah i was yeah anyway i know that was the 90s i know i know but it was it was yeah. early 90s anyway okay. i was about i was yeah i was about 10 and i couldn't sleep for like weeks because i saw those two right in a row uh, lest we forget the watcher in the woods a disney movie so i mean it was pretty creepy for a disney movie let's be real but nonetheless, My Bloody Valentine is moving on into the main round, and we are moving on into our next matchup, which is going to be... Uh, I've actually seen parts of one of these movies, so I can't completely say I haven't seen either of these, but it's The Howling versus the movie that more recently has been cut out of the franchise, uh, but is going to be Halloween 2. The Howling versus Halloween 2, and we're starting this one off with Jason. Oh my goodness, what a good one too, right? Yeah. This one, wow. Uh, this one's kind of got me excited here. This one's a tough one. So let me start with The Howling. The Howling and American Werewolf in London. Um, the special effects, right, for the werewolves scared the shit out of me yeah. as a kid. I, it was terrifying. I mean, the kids now, when I show the kids 
they see these special effects and they, they laugh at me and they just, it's kind of like my parents show me like the black and white, you know, Wolfman and stuff, you know, that, that terrified them at the time, but for its time, the howling special effects were absolutely terrifying. They were top notch. Um, it was, it was cheesy. It was corny looking back at it, but that holds a special place in my heart. But now then you have Halloween two, the whole, the whole Halloween franchise. Um, the interesting thing about two, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get your take, guys. Did it remind you a little bit of like Bruce Lee's films where he had to go through the levels? <laughs> that, that makes sense, you know. It's, it's like they kind of stole it from I don't know, but I always had a special place because it was like a martial arts film, uh, uh, but it was a horror film at the same time. It was it was so crazy. Um, but to, to keep this short, um, I'm gonna go with the Howling because of the special effects. But man, you can't go wrong with that, either one of these films. And the Howling picks up its first vote from Jason. I want to hear what Jason's better half has to say. Jen, what do you think? I'm better. Um, so, yeah, actually, so I agree. So the Halloween franchise as a whole, you know, is, is pretty iconic. Because there were the, the three major, you know, bad guys in the 80s. You know, it was always Michael Myers, uh, Jason Voorhees, and Freddy Krueger, right? But a number, and also I just want to make sure you guys all know that you're a bunch of sissies. <laughs> I watched all of these in the '80s in my youth, and none of them scared me. I have yet to find a movie that scares me. You big babies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Chris, take that as a as as a what, what do you call it? Uh, uh, I forget what I was going to say. Anyway, but no. So Howling was different, right? I'm. If you're versing, you know, Howling too, but the Howling, like Jason said, the special effects on it for its time were actually really, really good. Um, I enjoyed the story. Um, Halloween two was very. I'm, I'm I'm not wording very good tonight, guys. Um, like you, you knew it was going to happen, right? You could see yeah. it all coming. It's no surprises or you know anything like that. So it was very predictable is the word. It was very predictable. Um, but yeah, because of all of that, I'm, I'm going to go with The Howling as well. And The Howling picks up a second vote. We're going to head over to Steven next. Uh, if this had been uh, The Howling 3, the marsupials, with the world's most disturbing birth scene, easiest vote ever. Um, obviously, The Howling 3. Yeah. Um, it's just so fucking weird. Uh, the Howling is a movie I love. I love Joe Dante as a director. He's a great director. He should have done more things. Um, he He's a master at that. And a master at the 80s horror genre, frankly. Uh, Halloween 2, though. I, I know it's the redheaded... Well, not quite. It's not quite the redheaded stepchild. That one's coming up. But I know it's, it's like the one that gets overlooked. It's the one that gets pushed out of canon. Um, it's the one that most people don't think about. But it is such a good horror film. Uh, it hits so many beats so well. Uh, it works with like the slow hunting protagonist uh, that you know that's already established in the first one, where there's like this voyeurism aspect to Michael Myers, and it gets to continue it because she's in the hospital because it takes place the second after the first one ends. It's so good. Uh, I absolutely adore that film. 
it gets my vote all the way. So I feel bad for the Halloween because I really like that movie too, but Halloween 2 gets the vote. Halloween 2, not going down without a fight, much like Michael Myers. Brandon, over to you. So you guys saw me step off camera and just uh, make sure I put my Halloween 2 t-shirt on. <laughs> nice. Rocking um, it. Says so, the nightmare isn't over for our listeners. No. So I, I'm going to go into this. The Howling, if this was a Howling um, against American Werewolf in Paris or London, I would go the Howling. I think a Howling's a, I know the one that gets talked about all the time is American Werewolf in London. It gets talked about all the time. The beginning of the film weirds me out right away. Uh, I've never been a big fan. The Howling, I just felt like it was a, a I felt like it was a better film. I did. The change, um, Shudder just did the 101 uh, scariest movie moments, and they really got into how they did the special effects with the the wolf, how he changed into it. And I really, it was amazing how they used to do that back then. And everyone said, how they do this, how they do it. And Joe Dante, I agree. Uh, Steven, I think you brought that up. I wish he did a little bit more too. But Halloween 2, it got terrible reviews. And I don't get why. It, I'm a big Halloween fan. I always have been. But I'll tell you guys right now, I think it should have been 1, 2, and Halloween 20 years later. That's it. That should have been it. Those are the three best films. I think that should have been it. Halloween 2, I thought it picked up really well. And the characters, I felt like, were really good. A hospital was a great spot for a horror film. I don't think it really had popped up yet at that point in horror history where a hospital is really used in a horror film. And the kills. The, the spa? The jacuzzi scene? Oh, my God. Uh, and then you get the whole story. You figure it out. Brother, sister, you figure it out. Halloween 2 is incredibly, incredibly underrated and disrespected, I think, in the horror community. And all around, I think it's disrespected. Halloween 2 moves on. And Brandon crying justice for Halloween 2 as it pulls even with the howling. I, I, I. I'd I'd be I'd be lying if I said I could get Warren Zevon out of my head this entire time we've been discussing because everybody keeps mentioning American Werewolf London, which makes me think of werewolves in London. Uh, I'm I've got no cute song references like I had for the romance novel uh, movies. This is this is the best I got, but it is two to two, and that does leave an opportunity for anyone to throw up a buzzer beater if they think they can sway Chris one way or the other, knowing Chris. You can throw it up, but it's gonna it's gonna brick off the rim. Like, let's be real, folks. But if anybody wants to do it, the floor is open. The floor is closed. Chris, take it away. Yeah, your buzzer beater would have been useless here. Uh -huh. um, I really do enjoy both these movies. I will say we've got two Dante films coming up later on the bracket. One is another play-in game, his comedy, The Burbs, and then of course his best movie is Gremlins, which definitely made the main tournament. 
we're going to talk about Dante films. Don't worry oh, yeah. about that. I insisted on the burbs. <laughs> oh, so with that being said, we're looking at the Howling versus Halloween 2. Obviously, we've talked about the transformations from the Howling. Um, bite your tongue and swallow anyone that says the Howling is better than America Werewolf in London. You can go to hell. I will give you Paris. <laughs> with all of this being said. I genuinely love both these movies. I love both these movies. I think they're phenomenal films. What wins this for me is the fact that the second Halloween 2 called Halloween Kills features Laurie Strode in the hospital and Mike Myers doesn't show up. In fact, they spend the entire movie apart from each other and he kills other people, never once going after Laurie. Um, It... Halloween 2 did not just give us a, a solid horror movie and a solid follow-up to a really a, a horror masterpiece. It's a solid film, but it does what I want it to do. It builds upon the lore of the franchise. It adds a new level, a new layer. Now, yeah, they retcon that later because 4 through whatever went off the rails. Halloween 2 is still a good movie. The whole leveling up, as, a, as I think Stephen called it out earlier, a very intuitive and insightful uh, comment. Didn't think of it that way, but 100% correct. The The scene where she's she's running out of the hospital and to the car to try and get away, and I think all the tires and the cars are all slashed, is harrowing. Um, and this is Jamie Lee Curtis, y'all. She's amazing. Halloween 2 gets my vote here, and it's not against the, nothing against the howling. Halloween 2 is just a, a really good movie. And not for the first time tonight, the movie that started off with a two to nothing lead is going home. And in this case, that would be the howling Halloween two is moving on into the main round where I rest. I can assure you that it has its competition cut out for it. We're moving on to our final matchup of the night and our final matchup in the horror play ins uh, immediately following Halloween two, of course was Halloween 3, which famously did not feature Michael Myers. Uh, it's versus it's going up against uh, Stephen King classic Cujo. Halloween 3 versus Cujo, and we're starting this one off with Jen to close us out for the evening. Yowza. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, there's really not much that I can say about Halloween 3. It's like the redheaded stepchild of the Halloween franchise. You know what I mean? So it's like, I kind of want to pretend like it doesn't exist, guys. It's It doesn't exist. It's not canon to me. Like, <laughs> it has nothing to do with, with Halloween. Um, Cujo, the book was great. You know, if you guys have ever heard one of these before, you know I'm a huge book lover, bibliophile. Um, I love Stephen King. Cujo is great. I mean, <laughs> Obviously, it's an 80s movie, so you're not going to get, like, the best, you know, graphics or whatever you want to call it. But, um, again, wording is hard. Um, <laughs> I leave the words in the books, guys. They would stay in the books. Um, no, but I I, I remember Cujo. It's, it's, again, it's one of those things where it's just like, which one takes me back, right? Halloween 3, I, I pretend doesn't exist, whereas with Cujo, I mean, it's a classic horror film from a classic horror uh, writer, author, right? Um, 
so yeah, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Cujo on this because Halloween three doesn't exist. And Jen, denying the existence of one of the two movies on our matchup here, picks the one that does exist in her mind. Cujo gets a vote, and we're heading over to Steven. So, uh, a little trivia about both of these. Uh, you mentioned that Halloween 3 does not have Michael Myers in it, and that's obvious to everyone except Roger Ebert, who in his review talks about Michael Myers being in the film. Uh, I don't know how or why he thinks he's in the film, but he absolutely says he's in that film. And he's confused why he's not in more of it. Um, Cujo, fun fact, Stephen King doesn't remember writing that book because cocaine is a hell of a drug. Indeed. Uh, So that's the trivia I have. And I'm skimming those because I'm trying to delay because I truly love both these movies. Um, I think Halloween three even though it has nothing to do with any other halloween movie season of the witch is a really good independent horror movie it's only sin it says has halloween in the title um cujo cujo i i think i'm partial to it a little bit more because i absolutely do adore that book um i think the book's a little bit better in the movie because stephen king's better at writing that oppressive fear of a rabid St. Bernard outside your door than showing the rabid St. Bernard because that gets a little silly in some shots. Uh, so I think I actually like Halloween 3 a bit more. So I'm going to give it to Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Ooh. And Halloween 3 pulls even with Cujo. And Brandon, yet again, man, your facial expressions. I love it. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. Take it away. <clears throat> So, Jen, uh, if I gave you a big high five, I'm giving you a big air high five across computer right now. Halloween 3 is terrible. Terrible. It is a cult classic, though. People love Halloween 3, and I've never really understood it. Michael Myers is in the film. In a bar scene on a TV they're previewing the Hall- Halloween. Watch it tonight on TV. And you can. W- they're saying, "Hey, watch Halloween one on the TV in a bar." That's the Michael Myers scene. He's going down the stairs trying to go after Lori. It's so ridiculous. Um, it's a weird movie. It, it, it's very. It's cringy. It's a cringy film. But it's people do really enjoy that film. Now, Cujo. I think Cujo. The Stephen King adapted films. I I don't understand why, but I think it sometimes gets layered down like it's in the middle. It's underrated. I think Cujo is extremely underrated. And this countdown. Look at some of the thriller films we had. I think it could have even been in like the th- thriller section. You're you're in. You want to feel like you're in that woman's shoes. You're worried about your child. You're like, how the hell am I going to save my child's life? It's hot. It's muggy. You're feeling it. And Cujo's a great film. I think it really is. And it's underrated. It's a shame. Cujo, 
Definitely Cujo. Cujo picking up at second vote. Chris, how do you feel on this one? I feel like Brandon and I aren't aligned at all. I don't care for Cujo, y'all. I I just don't. It it never, ever, it wasn't scary. Um, And I don't don't read, it wasn't tense either to me. Sorry. Yeah, Chris doesn't read, spoiler alert. He's like, if I'm in the car, I don't care about the dog. I'll just get out. Just run the dog over. Come on. Um, Listen. Listen, listen, listen. Cujo wasn't my jam. Uh, and I, I'm actually agreeing with Steven here. Take Halloween out of Season of the Witch. Just call it Season of the Witch. It's a good movie. It, 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 I'm not berating. I'm not going to go ahead and belabor any points. I'm going Season of the Witch. I think it's a good movie. It had the disservice of being shoehorned into this this franchise, and they obviously learned their lesson because after that, they turned in terrible movie, terrible movie, but they all featured Michael Myers. So there you go. <laughs> Halloween three pulls even with Cujo. We are ending this off. I, th- I think somewhat fittingly, we're ending this particular episode off with yet another tie because we've we've had a couple of runaways. But we've had a lot of really close matchups here, and this one is a two to two tie. And before we hand it off to Jason. We have one final opportunity for a buzzer beater. If anyone feels particularly strongly about this one, you can throw it up. Otherwise, I'm going to hand it off. Going once. Going twice. Going over to Jason. You're up. (laughs) The power is in my hands. This is dangerous, guys. This is dangerous. Um... Now, I, both these movies don't have a special place in my heart. So if you had a buzzer beater, that was the one to use because you could have swayed me. Um, just to, I, I try to keep this moving along quickly here. Halloween 3, like you all kind of hit on, was it was almost like it was overcompensating for Michael Myers not being in it, right? It was like, it, <laughs> I'm going to make a lot of people angry with this next statement, but it was kind of like Star Wars. It's like, what's scarier than the Death Star? I know, a bigger Death Star. It was like, let's just try to kill more people, right? Like, we're going to kill a lot of children now using the television. You know, it's it, it just it was too grand that we we're just trying to make it bigger just for the sake of being bigger. And, you know, it would have been better more like the ring, you know, like where the rings one at a time. And instead of so like anyway. Um, but on the other hand, Cujo, I'm going to give my tip my hat to that, that movie. Uh, the book is way better than the movie. But there's something special, I think, about taking a beloved animal, you know, man's best friend and turning it into a vicious killer, you know, and, and not even just a killer, but it kind of transforms. Right. It was it was mutating. So um, that alone is kind of scary for a lot of people, I think. And I think if you took uh, a generation today and you showed them both films, I think Cujo would still hold a place and it would still they could they could relate to that, even though it's dated. Uh, more than Halloween three. So anyway, uh, my vote goes to Cujo. So that's the tiebreaker right there. Take it or leave it. <laughs> well, we, we're, we have to take it because that's sort of how this thing works. And Cujo does pick up its, <laughs> pick up its uh, third vote. We'll be moving on into the main round as the second most terrifying movie with a St. Bernard after Beethoven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's scary. I uh, know. I love Beethoven. I love Charles Grodin. I love Bonnie Hunt. Uh, no one speak ill about that movie. Um, <laughs> but that's completely immaterial to anything. Uh, 
we we are we have done for the night. We have crowned all of our play-in champions to head into the main round. We've got a ton of discussion up ahead over the next several weeks, months, years. We've got a lot of 80s movies to discuss. This is just the beginning. I'm super excited to see where it is going to go. Uh, but we have finished off our romance movie playing games and our 80s horror movie playing games. These are just the playing games, folks. We have an entire bracket now devoted to 80s romance films and 80s horror films. We hope you will continue on with us through this journey. We're all really excited uh, to do it. We're going to have a lot of different panelists, a lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff up ahead. Um Obviously, uh, we'd love to interact with all of our listeners, all of our fans, all that kind of stuff. Uh, a couple things you can do, certainly, uh, if you are enjoying the show and want to support us in any way. Financially speaking, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash P-T-E-B-B. Several different levels of support. You get bonus content. You, you get potentially a t-shirt and all that cool stuff. Uh, also, we're very active on our Discord server, which you can find at P-T-E-B-B.com slash discord lots of other information in the uh, about other social media platforms in the show notes i will not belabor those points any further i will just sign off for now for the boozy bracketology podcast i have been mike i'm brandon i'm chris i'm jason i'm jen oh i've been steven <laughs> <laughs> have a good one everybody